Hello and welcome to the Bothering Strangers podcast. I'm Max Hearing. Today my guest is a polyglot, meaning you can speak uh, quite a few languages. My guest today is Cole Langs. Cole, how's it going? Good, good, Max. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. You are, you're my latest interview in the day so far. So normally it's like between like nine and three and this is at 6.30. Oh, did you have several interviews today? No, no, not today. Just like in general. Oh, right, right, right. Um, and so, yeah, but it's, but it's 9.30 for you. You're on the East Coast. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're much more it's like I'm accommodating to your time. You're accommodating to my time. Um, so uh, you're probably got you speak a bunch of languages. Um, do you speak 10 languages? Um, it depends on your definition, of course. But I usually if, if people ask me to give them uh, an exact number, I usually say I can communicate in 10. Yeah. And uh, do you just want to tell the audience what, uh, what languages those are? Sure. So uh, my native language is English. And after that, we have uh, Spanish, Portuguese, Russian, Mandarin Chinese, French, German, uh, Dutch, and a little bit of Italian and Finnish. Is that the order of like how well you know languages? As in is Spanish the language you know the best after English? Roughly. Yeah, R- roughly. I would say so. Okay. Um yeah, so part of the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I am in I'm learning Spanish right now. Oh, in serio? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, really. Seriously, I am. Uh, yeah. Español es muy difícil aprender por, por mí. Deseo uh, aprender español cuando tenía cinco. Uh, what I just said is I just wish I, I, I wish I was learning Spanish now when I when I was five and not twenty three. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'm learning Spanish and it's, it's messed with the way I think of English mm. or you never, where I, where I feel like if you speak one language or maybe you have two native languages, maybe you live in a place where you really speak two languages fluently because of, you know, your background and where you live. I feel like you don't really think about how you speak and how sentences are formed, but then when you start learning, start learning languages, you're like, well, that's a, like, why do we speak like this? Do you, did you have that when you started really learning, I guess, Spanish for you? Absolutely. I have these little epiphanies all the time um, that happen in different languages. And like you were saying, how Spanish makes you think differently yeah. um, from the perspective of an English speaker, that just keeps becoming more and more pronounced as you pack on more languages. Because when you learn a language, you're not just learning different words for the same meaning. You're acquiring a new culture, a new way to look at the world. And I think that's something that not a lot of people think about when they're like learning Spanish in a classroom environment for example. Yeah. So I, I started learning like in April uh, with Rosetta Stone, which is, which is a good resource. I, I, I stand by it as a resource and I haven't finished it yet. I just taken a long break because I'm lazy. And uh, what I find, did you, I guess with language, with, with Spanish, I find that there's that the way we ask questions in English is, is like not the same as the way we ask as the way you ask questions in Spanish, where it's like in, in English, you say like, I can have a soda. And then you said, that's a sentence. And then you say, can I have a soda? And that's mm-hmm. your question. In Spanish, you say it the same way. You just use the intonation at the end to, to make it sound like a question. And what I find is my struggle now is that I, I'm like, when, when I try to translate something into Spanish, I have to trans, I have to, you know, throw the words around in English before mm-hmm. I can even think about translating. Is that, is that something you still struggle with? Or is that something, are you like fluent enough and have been speaking Spanish long enough where it's just, it's an understood thing? Well, in the case of Spanish, that's not 
really a problem for me. I think it's it's kind of an acquired skill to learn not to translate in your head. Um, and usually that's something that you really naturally take care of once you reach a certain proficiency in any given language. Yeah. So if you studied Spanish for like two more years, you wouldn't even be asking me about that question because like subconsciously you already would have figured it out. Well, two years is a long time then. Oh yeah. It's a very long time. Because yours is a minute. <laughs> to, to, it's, it's, I, I mean, I, I, re- I recognize that this, that the mind can take in so much information, so many languages, but it's so like, you don't realize how difficult it is to learn a language until you're learning the language. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't use the word difficult. I think as okay. humans, we have this incredible capability to learn language. Like if, if you think about all the nuances and the grammatical rules that we understand in English, and we didn't even study it at all. Like we were just babies and we heard the language for so long, for so many hours. Yeah, we had so much input that our brain just kind of sorted it all out. So when, when people talk about like, oh, Mandarin Chinese is so difficult, I could never learn that. Um, difficulty is all subjective. It, it depends on where you come from, what you already know. It'll, the more different it is, the longer it's going to take your brain to get used to it. Um, that's the way I look at it, at least. Have you developed an appreciation th- through learning languages? Have you developed an appreciation for people who can speak, who have learned one or more languages? Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I always feel like uh, I have much more interesting conversations. No, no offense, Max, of course. I know you're learning Spanish, but um, I always have much more interesting conversations when I'm with someone that speaks uh two, three, four, several languages um, because yeah. they've had. <laughs> it's like that. No, no, no. It's, it's not, it's not as bad as it sounds because they've, they've had that experience and they've gained those new perspectives. Right. And every time you talk to someone, it's always preferable if you learn something. Yeah, that's for sure. What, um, uh, when you, I mean, I don't, I don't know how often you're speaking all the languages, how often you, how much you have access to people out in the world, but do you still, do you oftentimes when you throw in, when people hear you speak English and then you speak to them in whatever language it may be, do you, are they surprised? Is that kind of the reaction you, that you normally get? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially when I tell them that I'm American because oh, yeah, for sure. in, in the American context, I think it's a much, it's, it's much more rarer um, than if I were a European, for example. Um, but, but, but yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the reactions are even more insane when I speak like an Asian language, like, like Chinese, for example. Yeah. Because the, the populations of all of those countries that speak it as a native language are so homogenous to the point where they don't, they can't really imagine like a, a Caucasian per, person speaking their language because they've grown up with this idea of like, oh, Chinese people speak Chinese and right. no one else because that's just the sum of all their experiences what's uh what was this is like a kind of a loaded question but what was the language that you struggled the most with learning um i don't know i would probably if i had to pick one i would probably say russian because the grammar is so incredibly complicated um i would say mandarin chinese but i was very luck i was very lucky because i was an exchange student in taiwan 
so I was just surrounded by the language like every single day for a year. Um, so like a baby, I got so much input that my brain started to figure out the language long before I would have figured it out if I had studied it in the U.S. Is, I mean, do you think that if you um, live in a place where, like for us as native English speakers, where English is not the native language, nor is it spoken very much, that, it, that if you just hear it so often in your life on the TV and the signs that you'll pick it up, or do you need to like make an active effort to pick it up? Well, look at areas of the world, like in Scandinavia, for example, where over half of the population of all those countries, Denmark, uh, Finland, Sweden, they all, at least half of the population claims that they're proficient in English. Yes. Or have like a really, really good level of English. Right. And I think that's because they have so many signs in English. The, the cultures are kind of mixed in a way where they have exposure to English as well as their native language every single day. And over time, that makes a huge difference. I mean, it does, does that also come with just being a young child seeing it or like, could it be the same where it's like as an adult, you move to a place? Um, even as an adult, I think it, it, it would definitely help a lot. Like uh, there, there's, this bi- there's this big debate in the multilingual, I guess you could say polyglot community um, where people question if children can really learn languages better than adults or not. Because yeah, like uh, when you're a kid, you're an absolute sponge for accents and information. Um, but as you get older, because you've already learned one or more languages, it's they're going to interfere with you learning any more languages because you have all these like an intrinsic habits. Has for you, has there been a language that you've learned that's messed with that's interfered with another language that you've learned in the, like that you've been learning as in like the sentence structure of one language makes you forget the sentence structure of another language. Um, not to that extent, but I do mix languages a lot, especially if they're in the same language family. Like Spanish and Portuguese, for example, I believe they share around like 80% of their vocabulary. Uh, Is the sentence structure the same though? Yeah. Yeah. The grammatical systems are very, very similar, if not identical in in some aspects. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, So sometimes I'll be speaking to my friend from Spain, for example, and I'll just unconsciously start speaking Portuguese for no reason. Wow. Because they're, they're that close. Same thing with Dutch and German. Because they're so similar to each other. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. See, for me, I um, I grew up learning Hebrew, like in school. Oh, okay. I don't know if you've learned any Hebrew or not. Um, not saying should or shouldn't. No, not a not a not a large population speaking it. Um, I never I never learned it. I just gripped. I never I never became fluent in it. But now, as as I start when I started learning Spanish, I forgot Hebrew. Like not, not words so much as how to sp- how to speak and put sentences together. Mm-hmm. So is that a regular thing or is that just me? I would say that's just the lack of exposure. Because when we step away from a language for a certain amount of time, our recall is going to get all, all messed up. Right. Like memory and recall are two separate processes in the brain. So if you step away from a language and don't study, like say if I didn't study Russian for a year, I won't be able to speak at the level that I do now, even though I know a lot more than I'll be able to speak. I'll just need to refresh my memory a little bit. And it all comes back 
really, really quickly. But no matter what, your level of comprehension is going to remain the same. So what language, what language have you had that issue with? Uh, in any language that I haven't studied for a little while. Um, but I, I don't really see it as um, in, in inhibition or anything. Uh, I'll just maintain languages as they're needed. Like, let's say I get an opportunity to travel somewhere. I'll definitely refresh my memory of, of this and that language. If, right. Of course, I have um, some existing knowledge of it. Um, but if I'm just here in the U.S., I won't think too much about it uh, because it takes a lot of time to maintain uh, a lot of languages on a daily basis. Do you think it's possible to, um, for that to happen with your native language if you move to a place where it's not spoken and suddenly you're just speaking another language so much that like you, you don't speak yours anymore? I've, I've actually spoken with some people about this that immigrated to the U.S. from places like Iran, for example, when they were children. And they told me that uh, they had this sort of issue with identity because they would go to school and speak English, but then they would come home and hear their native language, like Farsi or Arabic or what have you. And then over time, they would hear more and more English, and then they would hear less and less of their first language. And then eventually English will start to become like a native language for them. Um, but in my opinion, I don't think it's really possible to for completely forget any given language. Mm, okay. Uh, I, I always, uh, I'm curious really what your thoughts are on this. Um, there's the, I bet you got this question on it. It's like, oh, are you like a language person? Um, do you think there's such thing as a language person? Do you think like some people are just better at it? Or do you think it's more just like a, about a drive and opportunity? Well, just like anything else, I do think that natural talent can play a factor. I'm not saying that I think I have natural talent because I, I don't really know. Um, but just, just like anything else, you know, Einstein had a knack for physics. Um, Beethoven had a knack for music. Um, everybody is a genius at something. Um, I don't know if languages are my thing, but it's something I really enjoy doing. And it's something that I'll do consistently every single day. And I attribute my progress in all my languages to being consistent and enjoying the process more than anything else. Okay. That's interesting. Um, uh, so one question I've, I, the biggest issue that I've had with Spanish isn't speaking so much as it's understanding mm -hmm. where I feel like well, Spanish is obviously a, one of the faster languages in terms of how it's spoken. Uh, so for you, what's been the toughest language to just understand? I'm still trying to understand Spanish native speakers because there's so many different accents. Yes. And let's say, uh, do you know which accent you're learning primarily, or are you just kind of going through resources? Latin, like Central American. Okay, okay. But, but those are words. The accent, that's up to how much effort I want to put in on that day. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So I started learning the Spanish from Spain in high school. And then when I finished high school and I went to Taiwan, I had I made a lot of friends from Mexico and Ecuador. And, Living in Taiwan? Yeah, yeah. Like other exchange students. That were living there as well. So we, we kind of had this pact where, uh, of course, they wanted to practice and speak English with me, the American. Uh, so we kind of made this pact of, oh, okay, on these days, we'll speak English. And on the other days, we'll speak Spanish. And then if we're with like some local people, we'll speak Chinese. Um, and it took me a lot of effort to get used to like the Latin American accent because I, I studied the 
the accent from Spain for so many years. And there are still some accents uh, in Spanish that I haven't really exposed myself to long enough to where I can confidently say that I understand them 100%, like right. uh, Chilean Spanish, Argentinian Spanish. And... Cuban Spanish. Sorry? Cuban Spanish. Oh, yeah. Cuban Spanish. Can't, exactly. can't understand a word of it. <laughs> it. It just requires a bit of exposure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what about... Um, so, that, so that's understanding... But um, I question him. I question those all on this line. So, for you, like I, I think Spanish is an interesting one because there's so many like accents and there's so much slang specific to each country. Absolutely, yeah. Also, ha- has that proven to be an issue for you as, or not an issue? Something you have to kind of overcome as well. Yeah, as, as any learner, um, you know, people who are learning English are constantly asking me, like, "Oh, what does this mean?" Like, there. Language is constantly evolving because of slang. Right. So uh, I think the, the hardest thing you could possibly do in any language is understand a conversation of native speakers, like talking at full speed, because they're shortening words, they're skipping some words, they're, u- they're using nuances that you may not be familiar with, they're utilizing slang and all this other stuff. That, that what really makes languages so incredibly complicated. Yeah, I, I was, um, I, spent, I, I spent a semester in college in Scotland, mm-hmm. which I mean, if you want to talk about the toughest English to understand, <laughs> that might be it. Um, and I knew two people, one, was, one guy was Chilean and one guy was a Spaniard. The Chilean I had to accommodate to the Spaniard because they shorten so many words. I got, this is what he told me. I guess they shorten so many words in, when, when they speak Spanish in Chile that it just wasn't, it was hard for him to understand. So he had to really elongate his words and like, mm. so he could, so they could just communicate oh. with one another. Yeah, uh, there's this idea of, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, there's this idea of like a sociolinguistic knowledge, which is, the fact that if you want to understand an accent like 100%, you will have to spend some time in the country where it's spoken. Because even if you want to ask like simple questions, like how much does this cost? How do I get to here? Sometimes the locals will say it a lot differently in a way that may not make sense to you as a learner. And even as like English native speakers, we're, go- yeah. we'll, we're guilty of this. We have tons of phrases that we use every single day that make no sense. Yeah, none. Yeah. So uh, you can only imagine how a learner of English might take that. I, I think my favorite English is that um, we call like attractive women. We say, oh, she's so bad. Yeah. And like, if you're, if you're, if you're like not in the know with English, you're going to be so confused mm-hmm. with that sentence. Uh, and, and even I would say this, I was even watching a documentary just yesterday and it was placed in Manchester, England. So Northern England. And I couldn't understand a lot of what they were saying. Really? And a lot of it was terminology, but also it was a heavy accent. But I wanted to ask this because I, I wrote it down because I knew I was going to forget it again. What do you think? It, what do you think it requires to be truly fluent in a language? Uh, if people that watch my videos will know that I really hate the word fluent because it's mm-hmm. so ambiguous. Like my definition of fluent is most definitely different from your definition of fluent. Yes, and your definition of fluent is different than my mom's definition of fluent right you know it completely depends on the person 
Like, do you mean that you can converse seamlessly with anybody in any given situation about anything or just get around? Yeah, no, the, the first one, because like my, because like for you, it might be like Spanish is the language you speak best outside of English, but there might still be words that you run into that you don't know what they are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I learn new words in English every day. Right. But like with English, I feel like as a native language, you can kind of work, work with context a little bit better mm-hmm. as in Spanish or whatever language you're working with. The con- it's harder to work around context, at least for me. I'll say that at least for me. So that's why I say like, I think being like for me, like I, I've I told my parents, I'm like, I'm not I'm not about becoming truly fluent in Spanish. Like I'm like, I want to become like really, really good at it and like make little to no mistakes. But I don't want to take it to like the business world. You know, I don't want to like mm-hmm. I don't want to be that guy who just knows every single thing because it's just there's too much work. I feel like that goes into that. Yeah, I was going to say it really depends on your goals, which is something that you brought up, right? If, if you just want to learn Spanish to go travel around Spain and get by, um, then that's one thing. But if you want to be able to have meaningful, deep conversations with people and understand what they say back to you, more, more importantly, it's going to take a lot more time. So for me, the definition of fluent would just be you having an ability to communicate effectively. Mm, okay. You may not have the best vocabulary, you, you may not sound like incredibly eloquent in the language, but you get your ideas across really easily. There, there. Uh, so for you specifically with, you know, knowing 10 languages, what, what led you to be one and become this guy that like the language guy, you know? <laughs> it was the people, 100%. Because when I was an exchange student, I had all these friends from around the world that were other exchange students. And I thought it was so amazing that they all spoke great English. And I thought it was so amazing that they put in the effort to study my language and that now we're here on the other side of the globe in a foreign country speaking to each other. I just thought the idea of that was just so amazing. And so I I made a pledge to all those people, like there were 60 people. And I said, um, by 2028, because they they planned this little reunion for us uh, where they want to they wanted us all to come back to Taiwan um, for this reunion in 2028. So I made this goal while I was there. I said, by 2028, I'm going to be able to speak all of your languages on at least a conversational level. That's, that's my goal. And uh, I mean, can you name what those, I mean, obviously, so all the languages that you know so far, right. Mm-hmm. They were spoken when you went up with the people you went on exchange with. Yes. So what language, so what else are, are you, do you need to learn? Um, I actually have a list of these like right by my monitor because it it motivates me every day to sit down and practice. Um, But let's say I really want to improve my Dutch, my Italian. And then outside of that, I have Japanese, Polish, Korean, Turkish, Croatian, and Indonesian. Wow. That's that's a mix right there too. Yeah. Um, Is Cantonese on the list for you? Um, Not really. It, it certainly intrigues me. It's a it's a very interesting. Well, some people call it a separate language. Some people call it a dialect of Chinese. Yeah. But it has fifty million plus speakers. Those are like, what's next for you? But go so going into that exchange, did you just know Spanish and English? I I studied Spanish in high school for four years. 
I, I could barely speak the language when I went over there. Pretty regular. Um, yeah. Like, I, I never really spoke with native speakers or anything. I never watched TV shows or movies in Spanish. I just studied it in the classroom for four years, which, as you can imagine, is not the most effective method. So I did understand uh, some of the language, but it wasn't until I went there and I started really talking with people that uh, my whole world flipped upside down. Uh, okay, so that's when you were like, I gotta, I, I wanna get better at Spanish, but I just wanna get better at languages. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, this is something that I think I should ask you because you seem to have a, just knowledge of how language works. Uh, the term dialect is one that I've never really understood because I, I mean, I don't know, would you say that we have different dialects in America or would you just say that that's all English? Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to pinpoint really what is a dialect and what's an accent and then what's mm. a language, a separate language altogether. Right. Like uh, is, is Scottish English a dialect of English? Um, you, what I would say is that if it's mutually intelligible, so we, we, can under, we can understand Southern people perfectly, right? We don't need, need to try, but we, we recognize that it's a different accent. That, that, that would be something that I would call an accent, but if it takes us a little bit more effort to understand something, but you can tell it's still English, then I would call that a dialect. So for us, that may be like a, a, a British English, a Scottish English, an yeah. English, an Australian, South African. Mm. I mean, those are all accents. That's tough. And that's, yeah, that's why it's difficult. Because <laughs> uh, my next question was going to be, I feel like if you're British, you'll have an easier time understanding South Africans than we'll have understanding South Africans. Oh, yeah. Well, the South African accent is just a slightly tweaked British accent. That, that's exactly why I was like, well, I feel like yeah. something to think about. I don't know. It's, I don't know. Cause I, cause I mean, I, it's one of those things that we talk about, like in Mexico, I was having this conversation just last week with someone where it's like, there's this concept in Mexico. That, like there's so many different dialects mm -hmm. of Mexico, uh, of Spanish in Mexico, but here, but, but by American standards, we might just call those different accents though. Yeah, I, I think America is kind of a special case. Like when I spent some time in Mexico and uh, I was traveling with uh, my buddy and his family and they would tell me like, okay, once we get to this place, don't feel bad if you don't understand any Spanish at all. Wow. Because they speak really differently. Like they don't, uh, they don't pronounce the R's or the N's, for example, like stuff like that. Amazing. That, no, like that, that would be something where I, I would consider it a dialect because it fundamentally it is fun. It's fundamentally different than the standard Spanish that's spoken. Mm, okay. All right. That's fair. I, you're right. Cause, cause I have to agree. I, I think America and Canada, I think fall into that category as well. Uh, mm. and maybe a couple other English speaking countries. I'm not sure are, are specific, but like in India, for instance, mm-hmm. There are regions of India that speak a language that is not similar at all to other regions of India. Yeah. And it's the same country. Mm -hmm. So why do you think America became one of those countries that's just, you know, 10 or 12 regional accents versus like in Mexico while they just have a lot of different forms of Spanish? I think it has to do with immigration and how diverse the USA is. 
we we have people from over 190 different countries in in cities and in rural areas and at some point all of those people had to have a common language a lingua franca so all these different accents of english had to develop so that everyone could communicate but i think in in the case of mexico there are all these separate states that kind of had their own accent or in some cases a dialect if you will because they were simply more isolated and the development of these people and their societies um, in, influence the language itself. What was that term you just used for a Which, common language? Oh, lingua franca. So that's it. So that's just like something that will, everyone is going to speak. Well, it's, it's just, uh, so let's say I was with, I don't know, a, a Russian dude. And he didn't speak English, but, and I didn't speak Russian, but we both spoke Spanish for some reason. Spanish would be our lingua franca. So English has kind of become that, that lingua franca for the world. Exactly, yes. What languages are you, are you thinking are the next ones to, to go after? Um, I really want to improve my Dutch and my Italian um, because uh, the Netherlands and Italy are two countries that I would absolutely love to visit. And I have friends there. And uh, they're really excited that I want to learn both those languages. Um, beyond that, I recently saw a couple of YouTube comments of people from Indonesia that want me to learn Indonesian. And I went on Duolingo the other night, did a couple lessons in Indonesian. I really like that language. So I'll probably end up studying that a little further down the road. Um, but beyond that, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I usually take it one or two languages at a time. And then when I feel like I can more or less speak and understand the language, I'll move on. Where does, uh, where does the concept of like utilitarianism like come into this where it's like some languages, it's like you learn them, not a large pop, not a large percentage of the population speaks it. Mm-hmm. However, with like a Spanish or a Russian, you're, you're accessing a large part of the, of the world. So does that come into your, into your, into play when you're thinking about what's next or what, what maybe what you want to learn in the future? Partially, but also not really. Because when people say like, oh, this language doesn't have that many speakers, let's say it has a million speakers. And people say, oh, that's not very much. You shouldn't learn that. But in reality, you could never speak to a million different people in your life. Never, right? Never, never. It's, it's <laughs> logistically impossible. So that's why it's not really a huge factor for me because I know that I'll be able to use it in some form or another and I'll be able to gain newfound insights and perspective. Like that's really what I'm chasing after. Um, It's not to impress people, but it's to go to these different lands to the, to this new group of people that experience life differently than I do and to ask them questions and to, to learn about their take on the world and what we're going through. Do you feel like looking the way you look being say like you're a white guy and you're in as for your inner case, you were in Taiwan, right? Mm-hmm. And then you speak, they speak Mandarin in Taiwan, right? Yeah. Is it a first language or is it just like, is it like a second language? It's, it's the first language. Okay. I wasn't sure where Taiwanese went, came into play there. Uh, so is there a level of respect you gain from others when you start speaking to them in their native language? There's, there's a connection that's instantly made when okay. you speak a language like Chinese with people, because like I said before, people do not expect you to learn the language especially if you look the way I do. For Americans, right? yeah. They don't expect yeah. Americans to learn anything beyond English. Yeah, exactly. So even if you don't speak the language very well, it still makes a huge impression on people that you're trying and you're interested in their history and their culture. 
and what they had to say. Have there been any instances where people just have been like, I don't want to hear your, you speak this because you're not like that good at it? Or has it or has it always just been like a, like a, a positive response in that you're trying to speak my language? It, it depends. I think it's really important to know a little bit about the culture before you embark on speaking any given language, because each culture will react differently to you speaking their language. Like, for example, if you speak to... Um, I, I spoke to this guy in Peru the other day on Omegle and I said two words in Spanish and he instantly lit up. He's like, whoa. Um, but in reality, he he couldn't possibly have known that I had any sort of proficiency in Spanish, right? Just off a couple of words. But then I also met this guy from Azerbaijan who spoke Russian. And we spoke in Russian for a while, but he didn't really have any in, insane reaction. It was just like, oh, do you really speak Russian or do you just know a couple words and then we went on to have a conversation so each culture will react differently um just based on how they view strangers and foreigners in general but it's language is a huge step to to breaking all of these barriers in my opinion uh i don't i don't want to get like too political with you here but i i think something that i find interesting is the uh well, interesting in this context is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict because mm-hmm. in Israel, for instance, not many Jews speak Arabic. There is an Arab-Israeli population and obviously Arabic is their native language, but they speak Hebrew as well. Yeah. So do you think that, and, and I don't know why they, I don't know like, like what the politics is about why they don't speak Arabic, but do you think that if in a country like that, they were to introduce Arabic as a second language, so suddenly all these Israeli Jews were speaking Hebrew as a first language and Arabic as like a second or third language after English possibly, but they were speaking it like proficiently, do you think that would like really like help break down barriers or do you, you know, like what just what are your thoughts on that? Well, 100%, I do think it would help if everyone magically spoke each other's languages. But the problem is, how do you accomplish that? How do you motivate these people to learn the language of this other group of people that you historically haven't really gotten along very well with, right? That's the issue. It's not that you don't speak their language. It's that you don't want to. You have no desire to understand the other side. That's that. It, that's a problem. I, I've heard a lot of, and I, I'm not, I don't know the Paul. I don't, I'm not trying to too political, but I've heard a lot of people just be like, I just don't want to learn Arabic. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I, I just thought I'd, you know, kind of throw that uh, question out there. Uh, so in the case, uh, oh, so I, I'm, I'm curious about this too, because in Africa, for instance, in, in, in certain African countries, uh, pre, pre-colonization, there would be three or four languages spoken and they, there wasn't a lot of overlap. And it was like, they had these different tribes and they couldn't speak to each other very much. So what do you think the role of colonization played because then once colonization happened suddenly there was english or french or german or something do you think that helped or do you think like that changed much well I, it's I'm, certain- I'm not trying to like romanticize colonization here i'm just the language oh, yeah. yeah i understand well it certainly led to more globalization and more contact between these peoples of different countries and you could argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing and um you, could ar- you can argue further about how uh, some of these groups of people aren't really, they don't really have the facilities 
they're they're not getting like proper medical treatment and all this stuff, all these problems that you hear about when you think about Africa. And a lot of it comes down to infrastructure. But I think if there was any positive thing about colonization, it was that they developed this lingua franca. But um, like like French or English, like what you were saying. Mainly French or English in this case. Yeah, yeah, usually. So it allowed them to communicate not only with tourists, but with people of other tribes and nearby countries. But then, of course, one of the questions is, what if they lost their own language? Mm-hmm. You know, just a lot. But uh, yeah, I, it's just it's just something I've kind of ever since I started learning Spanish, I've just been questioning how languages are made and like how they come to be in certain places and just how it's like in certain African countries, French is the French is the main language, and the French were were there not that long ago, so it was a very fast transition mm-hmm. to French or English and, or whatever, maybe. Yeah. And uh, I recently had this class in university. It was called World Cultures. And it focused on several small cultures in Africa, uh, all of which spoke French. But the thing that they all had in common was that they didn't enjoy speaking French. They saw it as the language of white people because they have all these negative thoughts and feelings towards the French colonists. They would much prefer to communicate in their own language, but when you can only communicate with someone else in one language, you're going to use that language coming down to the whole lingua franca idea. So they spoke other languages, but they just used French for simply like utilitarian, just, I need to speak to someone in this that speaks no language. So we're going to use French as that. Yeah, exactly. Like if they saw a white person, they would address them in French. Right. So why, um, I don't know, this is more of a history question, I guess. Uh, certain countries have kept the language of their colonizers, mm-hmm. not not as in it's either first or second language it's spoken. Certain countries have lost the language of their colonizers. So what? So do you know about how that happens, or am I just going a little too off off the rails here? I have no idea. I think there are too many factors that play into it. Uh, like how how resistant was this group of people compared to the colonizers? How did the colonizers affect the society and the people at large? You know, there, there are all these really broad comparative political ideas that are at play here. I, I think it's impossible to pinpoint one single thing that allowed this group of people to either keep or get rid of the language of their colonizers. Uh, on the topic of colonization, um, how does, so like uh, in, in the Caribbean, Creole is a common language in many houses in the Caribbean. How does a language like that, which, which introduces, you know, uh, which puts together so many other languages, how does that happen? Because that, that's kind of constructed in itself, you could say. Uh, I have a theory about this. I'm not sure if it's correct. So take this with a grain of salt, but these are just my thoughts. So I think things like this develop when two groups of people don't have a lingua franca. And they really have to struggle to communicate. And when you hear like Jamaican people speak, for example, you can tell that it's really, really close to English, but some parts of it, you just won't understand at all. And I think that's because they came into contact with these groups of people that they didn't share a language with. So they had to try to just say a few words and point to certain things. And they hopefully got their point across. And over time that developed to these 
people assigning meaning to these certain things, but taking words from other languages. So it kind of became this really huge mix. Like uh, I have this buddy in South Africa and he showed me this video of what's called South African vernacular. And I don't know if you know, but there's, I think 10 or 11 official languages in South Africa. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, quite a few. So when local people speak, they don't, they obviously don't know all 10 or 11 languages, but they may know like three, four, five, and they'll throw them together and mix it in. And by context, everyone can kind of sort of understand it. But someone like me who has no background in any of those local languages won't understand a word, even though it's technically English. So this is for white and black people in South Africa they're bo- that they're both experiencing this? I believe so, yeah. Wow, I, I, had, I had no idea about that. So, so that's kind of how like a pidgin language comes to be. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, but mostly, I think the majority of the population in South Africa does speak English. But yeah, yeah. in a very informal way, if you're just talking with your buddies like getting a beer or something, you might communicate in this mix of five languages that's the local vernacular. Mm, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I I really just feel like language is one of those things that we so take for granted. Absolutely. Of, like, especially as English speakers, I would say, because so many people are accommodating to us. Mm-hmm. And and even in, and even there there's there's a level of entitlement that I think comes with with living in a country where where English is a native language or you go to another country like why don't you speak English like you should speak English yeah there's so much entitlement and like why and like we shouldn't think that way like they don't need a they're not here to you know work on our level mm-hmm. but uh, do you I mean I I think learning languages makes you lose that entitlement though yeah absolutely because you you see the effort that these people put in to learn your language once you start learning their language. Like if, I, if I speak almost any language to someone else and I speak pretty well, they'll say, wow, your whatever language is so good. But if you had like some Finnish dude that spoke perfect English, you probably wouldn't make a comment like that because in your head, even if it's unconscious, you're kind of expecting them to have a good level of English. And you think they, and you think that they should speak English. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's a global language. Right. Uh, what is what is what has the internet done in terms of make in terms of making it easier to learn languages? Oh my god, it's I'll, I'll have to only scratch the surface here. But the vast majority of all content on the internet is in English, even though there are more Chinese people that use the internet than say native English speakers. The vast majority of the content is completely in English. So it's allowed people to access material in English that they wouldn't have found before. Um, You just have this database of incredible resources to learn. Like even if you have a Netflix subscription, you can just type in any language in the search bar and it'll probably come back with some TV show or movie in the language. And for me, like that, that's actually how I learn sometimes is I'll say, okay, I don't feel like sitting down and like deliberately practicing anything. So I'll just go and watch a TV show or movie in this or that language. And uh, it just, it, it really helps you to bring back your comprehension and to learn new words in context. Um, but I would say if anything, the internet has allowed everyone to easily access resources that they wouldn't have been able to access before. And to find people on yeah. the internet that yeah. speak any language in the world. 
And that's where we're really lucky as English native speakers, because so many people around the world want to learn English. Mm -hmm. And even if I wanted to learn, you could call it like a relatively obscure language, like Hausa or Wolof, like an African language. I would definitely be able to find a speaker of that language that wants to learn English. Whereas the reverse may not be true all the, all the time. So, so are you basically that as an English speaker, you can basically find anyone. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. I, yeah. Just one of those things you just take for granted. Yeah. You never think <laughs> about what it means to be a, a native English speaker um, in this world. How do, how do certain countries, I mean, how does it, how, how does it work between with, with like in America, for instance, I think it's a perfect example. Uh, a lot of people speak Spanish and English fluently and they switch between them so quickly. And it's like, it's effortless. It's relative, it's relatively without flaws. How does that work? Like, What's, what's, I don't know if you know, what's going on psychologically that allows you to do that? It's, it's just the summation, the summation of all your exposure to the language. Like, uh, I, I kind of had this, I had a similar feeling when I was speaking to my Mexican friends in Taiwan, because we would alternate between Spanish and English all the time, especially if it, it was an inevitable that we would come across a word that we didn't know either in Spanish or in English. So we would just switch to the other language automatically and nine times out of 10, we would still understand each other. So I don't know. I think it just depends on your experiences. Like if, if you, if your native language is Spanish, but you go out in the world and see English all day, then you're going to have a really great working knowledge of both languages. So you, you'll be able to fluidly switch between them at will. Um, yeah. Is it, cause, cause I mean, I, I think it's in, for me, it's interesting. I saw, um, like a meme on the internet that said that like uh, one, one, a member of like the Royal family in England, like the baby that, that it's like princess Charlotte speaks two languages at the age of two mm. as if that's like a big deal. And it's like, yeah, so does every child of an immigrant. <laughs> like it's so regular. And I, and I mean, is, is that kind of one of those things where it's like, you're being exposed to language so often, two different languages in this case, so often that it doesn't matter like what you're speaking in that moment that you can just, you can pop between both of them. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's definitely a double standard that exists between like learners of English and native English speakers. Like, like we were talking about before, like in a way, Americans around the world, generally, I'm not talking about everyone, but in general, they kind of expect to see signs in English or encounter people that speak English. But if you're like a speaker of Greek, I don't know, you're coming to the u.s you cannot hope to find americans that speak greek it's just unrealistic unless you're in like a really specific part of a city right unless you're going to them yeah yeah is there is there one language for you that you look at and you're like i have to learn this language at some point but it's going to be like the hardest one I, there's a term i'm forgetting here but is there one that you're like really in the future looking to learn Absolutely. But you know, it's going to be such a difficult one. Yeah. So one thing that I really want to do is I want to be able to essentially communicate with a majority of the world's population. And I've tackled languages in Europe, in Asia, um, obviously Australia because of English, uh, South America. So the, the two regions of the world that I'm really lacking right now are Africa and the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So in 
the future, I would really want to learn Arabic. But the issue with Arabic is that there are so many dialects that differ from each other. Like so much. Like speakers of Kuwaiti Arabic wouldn't be able to understand people that speak Moroccan Arabic mm. and vice versa. Wow. So usually you have to learn something called modern standard Arabic, which is the Arabic that you see on like TV and, and newspapers, mm -hmm. and then also a dialect. And even mm -hmm. once you learn the dialect, you won't be able to communicate with everyone because nobody speaks modern standard Arabic. They just speak their dialects. So, so Arabic is the one for you that you're yeah. And, and as far as African languages go, is there one like Swahili or something that you're, uh, yeah, I really, I really like Swahili. I love the way it sounds. And yeah, it's, it's also one of the most widely spoken languages in Africa. So if I were to learn any African language, it would probably be Swahili. So, so I, I think it's really an interesting concept. You, said you want to be able to talk to a majority of the, of the, of the world's population. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that you want to be able to talk to them in their native language or that you would just want to know that there's a language that you can speak to them in, whether it be their second language or something? Well, if we were to get really technical, you could say that I technically can already do that. I can communicate with the majority of the world's population because I speak like English and like Chinese, Russian, and Spanish. Yeah, because sure. that's, yeah. A, that's over half. Yeah, because those four languages are so widely spoken around the world. Um, but my goal is to communicate with people in their native language. I, I don't expect people to learn my language. And you kind of develop this new personality when you speak a new language. So uh, if, if we were to speak in Spanish right now, for example, uh, you would absolutely respond differently than if you were speaking English. It's much more animated. Spanish. Yeah. Specific yeah, absolutely. Spanish, I, I should say. Yeah. It's, it's very cultural. It's very situational. If if you're in, I don't know, a bar in Rio de Janeiro, you'll probably be a lot more likely to go and dance, I'm assuming you're an introvert, um, than if you were somewhere I, in America. I'm actually an extrovert, but, uh, but yes, I have my introvert moments. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so, oh, well, yeah, now you brought up a topic I have to, I, I we need to delve into a little more than that, but uh, sure. what is, I, so I, I, I think what's so interesting about Spanish specifically is that it's it's what I would call like an extrovert's language because there's so much physical movement to it. Um, and not, English has it on some level, but not the same way. Um, it, it, there's so much physical movement and there's so much animation to it that I, I feel like when I speak Spanish, if I'm, ha if I'm having a day where I'm confident and I'm like pulling out every, every word I know and I'm really trying to do as much as I can, I feel like I'm, I'm not the same. I'm, I'm similar, but I'm not the same person. Mm. So do you have the same thing when you, when you're, you know, I, I imagine there are days where you're speaking four or five, six languages. Oh yeah, absolutely. So do you um, feel like you're just switching between kind of personalities that way or like what, what's going on in your head? So I like to joke with people and say that I, I lead 10 different lives because of my mm -hmm. languages. But in reality, when I speak any language, all it's doing, it's, it's just bringing out facets of my personality that normally wouldn't come out if I were speaking my native language. Like I always had like extrovert tendencies, but I'm, I'm absolutely an introvert. Right. Um, but if I were in like Mexico or Brazil, like one of these really animated extroverted cultures, like you were talking about when we're talking, comparing them to American standards, mm -hmm. 
um, I'm much more likely to be loud and animated and do things like sing and dance and things I wouldn't normally be embarrassed to do here just because of the culture. Yeah. Okay. I, I can uh, see that one, one last topic before we close it out here. Uh, there's uh, you mentioned on your interview with Andrew Hills about how learning languages opens up, uh, I believe they're called neural pathways. Mm-hmm. So um, can you just explain that a little bit, just kind of how it works, just kind of scratch the surface on it. Sure. So it's essentially just a memory. And the way it works is when we learned the word apple, for example, whenever we see or hear the word apple, we visualize this red fruit or yellow fruit or whichever apple that you've seen most often. And it has like a smell and a touch and a feel and it brings like a certain feeling like my definition of apple is different from yours because we've undoubtedly have different experiences with apples and that goes for every single word like angry is much less serious of a word than furious or livid right and all that comes down to our experiences like every single word that is in our lexicon has this certain feeling to it. And that's where the nuances of language come from is how we express these feelings to other people. So when you learn new words, you're opening up these neural pathways in your brain that will stick there. And uh, if you were to learn another language, for example, um, I'm trying to think of an example here where you have two words that are almost the same but not entirely the same, you won't have to relearn that word because you that neural pathway is already set. Like, uh, I don't know. Um, okay, I got an example. So if you're an English speaker, you already know thousands of words in Spanish and in French and these other related languages just because of these patterns that exist. Like, for example, the word conversation in Spanish, conversación, conversación. It's very, very, very similar to the point where if I think of the word conversation, I don't have to, to dig up a Spanish word. Like it's already there. It's already <laughs> close enough. Yeah. I, I, I did that last week, right? I, I didn't know how to say negative and positive. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. mm, I feel like it's negativo and positivo. Yeah. Negativo, positivo. And exactly. I was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I hope that was kind of a clear explanation. Like, of course, I'm not a, a neurologist. No, I, mean, I, I don't study the brain, but there's a lot to like dig into there, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I didn't want to, you know, go after, like, take, dig too, too deep into it, mm-hmm. or else I would have been confusing um, myself. <laughs> so, uh, and, and where does, um, where does confidence, where do you think confidence comes into play when speaking other languages? It plays a huge role. Yeah, I was going to say. There, there's actually a lot of scientific studies that have been done that show that y- your mood and your ability to speak a language matters yes. regard- regardless of the level that you hold in any given language. So if you're a beginner in Spanish, but you feel really, really confident, um, then you'll be able to communicate a lot better than if you weren't very confident. Do you, do you now, like, I, I think with, with Spanish, let's say that, Cause that's your, that, that was your first language you learned. Do you still have days where you're like, I don't do you have days where you're like, I don't think I know that much Spanish. And then possibly the next year, like I know a lot of Spanish. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm constantly amazed by how much I don't know. And I always get up every day and wonder like, oh, what can I learn today? What, how will I become a better person today? And how will that affect my tomorrow? I'm, I'm happy uh, you said that because I was, because I, because I obviously I've had my days where I've been, where I've been like tired and like frustrated. And I'm like, I don't know any Spanish at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, all this learning, it's been for naught. I know nothing. And then I have days where I'm with it and I'm like, I know more than I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we kind of have those days with English too, right? Like some days we just don't feel like talking or maybe we can't recall the words that we're trying to say as we quickly. Have, we have days that we are less articulate for sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, and even, it's, it's, it's hard in the journalism industry Cause like, let's just say that I, we entered, I, you know, I entered this interview with you and I was not feeling articulate today in, for a conversation like we had, which requires quite a bit of articulation. It would be, it would be a difficult thing to do. Yeah. I, I had the same, I had the same worry going into this. Like, will, it, will this be one of those days where I can actually express my thoughts or will it be one of those days where I'll I'll have to pause a lot and think for exact phrasing and all this stuff. Right. Interesting. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's, I, I feel like I'm curious if you agree with this, but I, I, I feel like learning languages, learning a language for me has been one of the more humbling things I've ever done in my life in terms of just showing me and showing us how Mm -hmm. little we know. 100%. And, you know, and, and sometimes we lose that. Sometimes we don't have that. We're not humble. You know, we lose those moments. And then, and then we get, like, gut checked. In this case, it's by language. You're like, oh, wow. I'm, I don't know all that much. <laughs> or even just a simple shift in perspective can completely change how you view the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't need to be language for sure, but uh, yeah. just in this case, it is yeah. language. Um, but you, but you gain that through language learning, essentially. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. I mean, I've just, just, it just made me question English a lot. Be like, how, mm-hmm. why, why do we say it like this? Like, why do we end a sentence with the word "with"? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of stuff like that because it doesn't translate over sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Cole. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Where where can where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on YouTube. I have a channel called Cole Langs. Uh, beyond that, I have a Twitter, which is also Cole Langs, and an Instagram, which is Cole Goodchild. YouTube Cole Langs, Twitter yes. Cole Langs, Instagram Cole Goodchild. Yes. Uh, anywhere else? Nope. Okay. I believe that's Let's- it. Just want to make sure. Well, thank you for letting me bother you. Uh, I've I've learned a lot. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I just you know know so little about languages, and we probably only scratched the surface. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, follow Cole on Instagram at Colgashouts, Twitter Cole Langs, YouTube uh, Cole Langs as well. Some really solid videos in many different languages on. Uh, on YouTube and you kind of document your process of learning new languages on there as well a little bit. So, you know, just kind of, if you want to see what it's like going from knowing nothing to knowing a lot, that's the place, that's the place to see it. Thank you for watching. 
this has been Bothering Strangers. Thank you.